Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. If you're new to the podcast, uh, this is really not a preaching or Bible study podcast, although obviously I do reference the Bible pretty regularly in my presentations. It's really instead a focus on practical issues, and that's what we're going to talk about again today. Now, uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I mentioned that I like hearing from you, and if you had a certain issue or a particular uh, uh, thought that you'd like for me to address on the podcast, to email me, and several of you have, and I thank you for that. And so I'm going to try to respond to some of those emails and talk about some of the issues that were raised. And one of the emails that came back to me asked me if I would talk some about the role of women in ministry, particularly in Southern Baptist churches, and especially in light of some of the changes we're going through denominationally as we rethink some of the roles of women and how women are treated in churches and in ministry organizations. So I'd like to do that today. Uh, And again, I'm not going to uh, go down deeply into trying to uh, talk about specific passages of scripture or uh, go into detail on interpretive issues. There's certainly a lot of information out there about that, and it's important for you to make those kinds of studies. But today, I want to talk in more of an application focus and try to think about solving some of the issues that that are a part of this issue of, um, are part of this uh, challenge of raising up and promoting and really finding ways for women to be involved in ministry leadership roles. Let's start by underscoring that the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 is our confessional document. It's the confessional document of our seminary, of our denomination, and for most Southern Baptist churches, it's their confessional document. And the Baptist Faith and Message says that the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. Now, some read that sentence as a limiting sentence, and and it is. The office of men is limited to uh, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture, uh, but it can also be seen as a liberating uh, sentence because while the office of pastor is limited to men, that means that all the rest of the ministry of the church should be open to both men and women. This means that uh, in Baptist in Southern Baptist churches that every other ministry role except pastoral leadership. Uh, can be done by both men and women, and we ought to be working toward that in really healthy ways. Now, this first came to me, or first came up for me here at the seminary when I was being interviewed by the trustees to be the president. In that first meeting, uh, one of the trustees asked a question something like this, uh, describe for us uh, your position on women in ministry. And I said in in response, well, I am completely committed to and supportive of women in ministry. Uh, I know the seminary has a large number of uh, women students, and there are lots of women serving in all kinds of leadership roles in Southern Baptist churches, and I'm going to be their encourager and their proponent. And the trustee said, well, that really alarms me because how do you square that with what the Baptist Faith and Message says, that the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture? Well, I had given my answer knowing that that's really what he was intending and where he was going with his question. And so when he asked the follow-up, then my response was something like this. Well, now that's a different question. You didn't ask me about women in pastoral ministry. You asked me about women in ministry in general. And I tried to give you the answer to the question you asked, not the question you were presuming. And so we had that dialogue in that meeting, and and I was able to clarify that while I do uh, strongly 
support the position that the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 lays out, that the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. I also understand that once you move past that limitation, uh, that ministry is open to men and women, and we should be training men and women to do all kinds of ministry leadership responsibilities. Now, in the context of this, one of the most common questions I get is, uh, well, what about women serving as staff pastors? What about women serving as uh, ministers? What about women serving as deacons? What about women serving as elders? What about women serving in uh, director roles or in uh, ministry director roles? And all of these kinds of questions are, trying to, are, are attempts to try to sort out how to apply what the Bible says about uh, these issues in these various kinds of categories that we've invented today or that emerge from Scripture but that we've defined in our own ways today. Now, the complicating uh, issue here is the phrase pastoral authority. Uh, and here's the answer that I normally give to people who ask me these questions. You know, uh, can women do this or that or the other? I say, well, the Baptist faith and message uh, indicates that the office of pastor is limited to men. And so however you define the pastoral office, or broader, however you define pastoral authority in your local church, that role needs to be limited to men. Because churches use different titles for the role of pastor or the role of pastoral authority, and that's why I can't give a straight-up answer. I'm not trying to be evasive and certainly not duplicitous. I'm simply recognizing that in Southern Baptist churches today, there are all kinds of ministry titles given to various leadership roles, and what one church means by deacon is not at all what another church means by deacon. What one church means by minister is not at all what another church means by minister. And so it's very important in trying to work these issues out at the local church level to first ask and answer this important question. How does our church define the pastoral office or how does our church define pastoral authority? It's my view in line with the Baptist faith and message, that pastoral authority and the pastoral office, whatever kinds of titles may be associated with that, uh, are, is best occupied by men, and the church is healthiest when a group of men serve in that capacity as pastoral leaders with pastoral authority. Now, this means that in some churches, uh, the pastors and the deacons all need to be men. In some churches, the pastors and the elders all need to be men. And in some churches, the pastors and the ministers all need to be men. And in some churches, just the people who carry the designation pastor need to be men. But however your church defines pastoral authority will determine how you use these various titles and how these various titles can be applied and shared by both men and women or not, as the case may be. So having laid out that brief foundation that our doctrinal statement says that the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture and that pastoral office and pastoral authority needs to rest in men, I think it's rest, it rests best in a group of men who serve the church in that capacity, then we move beyond that to say beyond that particular role, the rest of the work of ministry and the rest of the work of the church uh, should be shared by men and women. Now, wise churches are intentional about finding ways to share leadership among men and women. And what I'd like to spend the rest of my time on in the podcast today is talking about um, five key ideas that will help you to be more intentional in learning how to share leadership roles in a healthy way among men and women. Now, the first thing I'd like to say is this. 
A traditional roles are fine, but avoid making them rigid standards and avoid being judgmental about other churches which may not define the traditional roles the same. Uh, for example, uh, most churches have some office called deacon, and they define that role in a certain or specific way. Some churches define deacons uh, as extensions of the pastor, and so they have pastoral authority. As I've already said, then in those cases, they should be men. But many other churches define deacon very differently. A deacon is defined as a service role. Uh, the deacons are those who are expected to take care of the practical ministry affairs of the church. They do everything from uh, supervise the baptisms to manage the distribution of the elements for the Lord's Supper to provide the ushering in the worship services to provide security for the pastor or for other leaders in uh, public venues. They do things like visit the sick, care for the aged, uh, take care of the widows. In some churches, the office of deacon isn't associated at all with pastoral authority. It's more associated with servant roles that serve the church more broadly and provide examples of service to the church family as a whole. In those kinds of churches, it's also not uncommon to find deaconesses. Uh, deacons' wives are even women who are not married to deacons who assume this office of deaconess for the same purpose of service so that they would serve women in the church in ways that might be awkward or even inappropriate for men to serve them, particularly, for example, a visitation of the sick, shut-ins, caring for women who have personal needs that are best cared for by other women, these kinds of ministries. Some churches also have other roles that are traditionally defined. For example, some churches have ushers, and they have an usher board. Uh, as many of you know, I'm a member of a predominantly African-American church, and in our church, the ushers are a very important part of the Sunday worship experience. Uh, we have a big uh, crowd of people trying to pack into a building that's really not big enough to handle everything that needs to go on there, and so the ushers have a significant role of helping people from the parking lot to the pew to find their way, find their place, and to really manage the crowd and make it a worshipful kind of experience for everyone. And in, in our church, that's a very traditionally defined role of how you get selected for that, how you're trained for it, how you dress uh, in the Sundays that you're serving as an usher, and what you do in the way that you conduct yourself in that responsibility. Now, that's a, a traditional role, and, it's, and there's nothing wrong with that traditional role, uh, but you shouldn't assume that just because one church does it one way, every other church has to do it the same way. Um, Churches have traditional roles, and tradition is not bad. It is perfectly legitimate to say, at our church, the tradition is the deacons supervise the baptism, or the deacons administrate the Lord's Supper, or in our church, we have ushers who take care of these kinds of needs in the worship services, and that they all dress a certain way and act a certain way and, and maintain a certain protocol. Uh, it's not inappropriate for churches to have traditional ways of doing things. What you want to avoid are rigid standards that say our tradition is biblical. Our tradition is normative and the only way that churches should function. Uh, when you do this, you create unnecessary barriers and unnecessary burdens and really also unnecessary divisions with other churches. You know, one of my... Uh, the blessings, I guess I would say, that I've had over the years is being able to travel and speak in a lot of different churches and a lot of different ministry settings. And one of the things that's done for me 
has given me a, a, a greater appreciation for the diversity of how Southern Baptist churches are organized and how they do their work. Uh, and I've uh, seen deacons function in lots of different capacities, ushers function in lots of different capacities. I've seen ministers and uh, directors and others function in lots of different capacities so that I no, no longer assume when I go to a church that I understand what their titles mean and what their functions are going to be. I just straight up ask, um, how's this done in your church? How's this handled in your church? How do I interface with your leadership structure in the healthiest way possible and even in your worship practice? Practices. How do I participate in the best way possible? For example, um, I was in a church recently where the pastor said, every member of our church, every person who's publicly professed faith in Christ, who has uh, been through baptism and has given a witness of their faith in that regard and is an active, and member, an active member of our church in good standing, is eligible to participate in the life and leadership of our church. And so that Sunday morning, uh, during the worship service, they had the Lord's Supper. And they distributed the Lord's Supper in the congregation, and there were men, women, and teenagers, and even older children who helped distribute the elements. Now, they did this because they, they see the, the Lord's Supper as an ordinance of the church, and members of the church are all qualified to serve it to other members of the church. Now, in other churches, that would never be acceptable. In other churches, they would say, no, the Lord's Supper is to be served by the pastors, or maybe the pastors in cooperation are supported by the deacons. And I have no problem with either model, because both of them can be uh, found within the family of what's biblically permissible, and both of them are rooted more in the tradition of how that church expresses itself than in some rigid standard that must be maintained. So the first thing I would say about learning to share leadership more intentionally among men and women is to go ahead and identify your traditional roles, but be sure you call them that and be sure you hold to them uh, appropriately, not rigidly, and be open to changing them if change would facilitate the more effective ministry of your church. The second thing I would say when it comes to this intentionally sharing leadership is that defined roles are fine if the reasons for the definition make sense in your culture or your context. Sometimes it's culturally or contextually appropriate to identify certain ministry roles that are going to be done by men or certain ministry roles that are going to be done by women and for those to be rather rigidly maintained. Uh, for example, um, I have a friend, a, a married couple uh, that are both international missionaries and they work in a very, very uh, strict Muslim context. And so in that context, uh, the man leads ministry to men, and his wife leads ministry to women. And they are very, very careful that they don't cross each other's, uh, cross those lines of demarcation, because they would be very culturally inappropriate and would actually create offense to the gospel. Now, my son uh, ran into this a few years ago. He was leading a mission trip. Uh, there were a number of women that were on the trip, younger women, who uh, were, you know, Americans with a sense of, of a more uh, liberal perspective, uh, more aggressive perspective. And so they were in a Muslim country trying to do work, and they were told by the missionaries, there's a certain way you have to dress while you're here. And a couple of the American women said, well, I'm not doing that. 
Uh, I, I'm not going to, uh, to do that because that's not the way I dress. That's not the way I am. Uh, and that's not the way anyone can tell me to dress. I, I'm, I'm a liberated woman. I can do what I want. Well, that did not go well, and they had to have a pretty firm intervention to help these women understand that in certain contexts and in certain cultures, uh, adopting defined roles is actually conducive to the expansion of the gospel. So even in the American church and in thinking about how men and women can work in leadership, uh, it's not wrong to have defined roles as long as there's a clear understanding of why the roles are being defined and those roles are being defined for purposes that will actually advance the gospel or remove barriers to the gospel's advance. Again, I work in a lot of different kinds of church settings. Uh, just in the past few weeks, I've preached in uh, Hispanic, Chinese, and Korean uh, churches or ministry settings. And in doing so, I find very different cultural expressions about issues related to men and women and what's permissible in culture, what's permissible in ministry, and what's uh, uh, advantageous to the advance of the gospel. And so it's not always wrong to, to work with those defined roles and to understand that they can be uh, a healthy part of ministry, uh, a ministry role assignment. Another aspect of this working in context and culture is that some ministries, even in the American church, are just better done by men and by women. I'm thinking about one ministry that I'm aware of where a group of women in a community have decided to very aggressively try to reach uh, uh, young women who are involved in uh, the nude dancing and in the strip club industry. And so this group of women are uh, have developed a strategy. They've been working it for years, and they've had remarkable success at helping young women make a different career choice, get training, uh, make lifestyle changes, find new circles of relationship, and really have some profound life change as a result. Now, one of the uh, one of the the uh, rules that this ministry has is that it's only led by women, and even beyond that, it's only led by women over forty. Now you may say, "Well, that's too strict." Well, no, it's really not because they want to be sure that they are that these are mature women that are going into these establishments, that are building these relationships, that are involved, that are not going to be perceived in any way to be anything other than the mothers and grandmothers they are going in to try to reach and teach and minister to and uh, really help these younger women to make some different life choices. So uh, it's all right when you're working intentionally to share leadership among men and women. First of all, traditional roles are fine. Just be sure you're not too rigid about those. And second, defined roles are fine. In fact, they may be advantageous, especially uh, for the advance of the gospel uh, and even for the effectiveness of ministry in certain cultural, certain cultures or contexts. Okay, a third idea to keep in mind, defined standards are fine. Just be sure you establish those as the preferred positions for your church and be careful of maintaining them as absolutes that everyone else must follow. Let me give you maybe the most controversial example, and that is um, there's prohibitions in the Bible about women teaching men. Now, for every, every single person who reads that passage essentially has a different interpretation of what it means. Um, I've listened and read and thought about this passage a good deal, and I've come to conclude that there is a wide variety of understanding of what it means in context and of what it means in application in American churches, particularly Southern Baptist churches. 
But it is important for a church uh, to come to grips with what that verse and what those verses mean uh, for a particular local congregation. And then, once you define those standards, to establish them as a preferred position for your church, uh, saying by using that language that this is what we've come to, this is what we've concluded, and while others may disagree with, th- with us, and while we would certainly give them the freedom to do that, here at our church, this is how we're going to do things. And you can have a preferred position like this, not just on the role of men or women teaching men or how that's going to be defined, but you can have it on any number of things about how uh, roles are going to be defined in your church and how the standards are going to be upheld and what you really think and how you really think the Bible is going to be applied in a certain or particular situation. So again, it's all right to define standards just as long as those standards are defined in such a way that uh, they're couched as a preferred position and the church has come to accept this as the best way for us to do our ministry going forward. So, traditional roles, defined roles, and defined standards can be helpful in sorting out the intentional ways that men and women can work together in leadership. Uh, Another uh, important point is that ministry leadership and decision-making, as much as possible, should be shared among competent people, not just limited to men or not just limited to women. Now, uh, when I planted our church in Oregon many years ago, I had a sort of a blank slate uh, upon which to kind of create and answer a lot of the issues that I'm raising today. And we did that. We created a pastoral leadership group that was made up of men, and it had a small and very limited responsibility of maintaining the doctrine and the vision and the moral integrity of the church, particularly of the church's leaders. But beyond that, we shared leadership among men and women, uh, depending on competency to lead in various areas, not so much on gender definition. For For example, uh, we had women that served as chairs of significant committees like the budget committee and the personnel committee. We also had women that chaired search committees that went out looking for pastors or associate pastors. It was not uncommon in our church uh, for women to lead out in these very significant ways. now, that, did not, that didn't mean that men didn't also lead out in these very significant ways, but when we came to a particular problem that we needed to have solved, whether it was a budget problem, a personnel problem, or some other kind of issue in the church, when we were creating a committee or a task force or a work group to solve that problem or to put together those policies or to figure out what needed to be done, we didn't ask ourselves, who's the best man for the job? We asked ourselves, Who's the best person for this job? Who's the most competent? Who has the gifting to get it done? Who has the skill set? Who has the information base? Who can really lead us to solve this problem most effectively? And we were able to have uh, shared leadership for men and women in various contexts uh, throughout the life and ministry of our church. Uh, It may surprise you that planting a church in In liberal Oregon, uh, this model worked really well, and women who came into our church understood the need for pastoral authority, that there needed to be a group of men who kept the church focused doctrinally and ethically and morally, and really kept the pastors riveted on what the church needed to be doing in those three key areas. But the rest of the church ministry leadership could be shared by everyone and was shared by everyone. And so That kind of model was embraced uh, by women who were coming into our church that were not Christians, that had been reared in secular and liberal culture, and who came to faith in Christ and saw that in our church, the functional ministry of the church was open to uh, everyone, and they were able to jump in at various places and get their work done. Um, I would also go on to say that here at the seminary, we've had women in all kinds of prominent leadership roles for years. 
Uh, many of our director level employees are women. Uh, on our board of trustees, we have uh, a number of women that have served, and including as trustee officers and chair persons of the standing committees of our board, which is a very influential role of leadership. Uh, we've also had women who've served and do serve on our faculty in various capacities and teach uh, across our system. And then recently, another Southern Baptist Seminary, for the first time, had a woman elected as the chairman of their board of trustees. Um, I had thought that might happen here at Gateway, but uh, it's not just a matter of electing a woman. You have to have a woman who really has the leadership gifts and the presiding gifts and has the desire to be chairman, and we've not had that person on our board that I've been aware. And I was glad that this other seminary was able to do that, even though it would have been nice to have been the first on that as well. So all kinds of ministry leadership and decision-making can be shared, and the question really needs to be asked, who's the most competent person to lead this ministry forward? Now again, uh, I, I go back to where I started. Uh, the Baptist faith and message is clear. The office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. I interpret that to mean that pastoral office and pastoral authority, however that's defined in a church, needs to be occupied by men. But beyond that, beyond that, the total functionality of the rest of the ministry of the church needs to be open to men and women, and we need to take full advantage of all of the gifts and talents and abilities that both men and women bring to the table in order to have our churches be as strong as possible. And then the last thing I would say is that when you're making these decisions, leadership practices and roles really have to be informed by Scripture and choice or by Scripture and convictional choice, not just by stereotypes and insecurities. Now, I've said, of course, that Scripture must inform our decision-making. I've also said that convictional choices can inform our decision-making. It's possible that you embrace some traditional roles and say, that's our tradition and it serves us well and we're going to stay with it. Or that's our defined role or that's our defined standard. As long as you make these choices and you see them as the choices related to preferred positions or a preferred future or what's best in our culture and context, uh, then I think you can come to some, some convictional choices that aren't covered precisely in Scripture that can be the foundational for healthy church life and healthy church function. I just caution you that when you're doing that, not to be bound by stereotypes and not to be bound by insecurities. Stereotypes uh, mean that you do things because that's the way other people do them, or you do things because that's the way uh, they've always been done, or you do things because that's the way you think people are doing them in other locations. Uh, I was once in a meeting in the, in a, in a, uh, with a church, and someone said, well, this is the way Southern Baptists do this. And I said, hold on just a second. Um, I traveled around a good bit, and, and that's not the way I see all Southern Baptists doing this particular uh, thing that you're proposing. And the person said, well, this is the way we did it in my church back in Oklahoma. This is the way Southern Baptists do things. And I said, now, hang on another second. How long ago did you move here? He said, well, about 20 years ago. And I said, my friend, I I've preached all over Oklahoma, and I can tell you that things have changed even there. And if you go back there, you'd find that maybe things aren't quite like you remember them, still not being done that very same way. This is what I mean by stereotype. We want to be careful that we don't do things because that's the way they've always been done or that's the way we think they should be done or that's the way they do things in other places and we want to be a part of the way things are done by, quote, Southern Baptists. Be careful that you don't fall into the trap of making decisions about men and women in leadership roles only by your stereotypical thinking. Ask God to help you think more clearly and more openly about what's happening. And then secondarily, don't let your insecurities drive you. 
You know, this is a sad thing, but uh, some men and some women are insecure and they can't share leadership because they're afraid of people taking over, are people taking their place, are, are people making decisions that they won't agree with or approve of or that will in some way be harmful to them or their organization. Uh, you've got to get past those insecurities and recognize that, uh, we, that, that shared leadership among competent people, while it may be hard for you to give up some of the power or control that you have, shared leadership by competent people in the long run is going to be the best, the best solution for you going forward. Now I hear some say, well, yeah, but if we do this, um, you know, people who are not qualified to be in leadership will be making decisions, or people who have agendas will come into leadership and be making decisions, or people who, who, uh, uh, who uh, are just trying to take over or make their will known, they're going to come into leadership. Well, listen, that's true whether you have men or women or both in leadership. There are always people who have agendas that are not healthy, and as a pastoral leader, it's part of your responsibility to make sure that the wrong people, men or women, don't come into leadership roles, don't come into influential positions, or don't get into places where they can be uh, disruptive or, or do damage to your church or ministry organization. But friends, that's not a gender problem. That's a sin problem. And we need to keep that in view and not let our insecurities keep us from trusting and sharing and training people to come into leadership responsibilities, no matter their gender. Well, I'm sure I'm talking about a controversial issue today, and I may have stirred up more trouble than I've settled issues, but let me just say again, the Bible has a pretty clear directive, I think, and the confessional document of Southern Baptist underscores it. The office of men, limited, the office of pastors, limited to men, is qualified by Scripture. But beyond that, we need to be very intentional about celebrating how both men and women can be a can be functionally involved in the leadership of our churches and can be working together uh, to facilitate the most effective ministry possible. Yes, traditional roles and defined roles and defined standards have their place, and churches need to think through these issues and come to some decisions about them and then be willing to live with them in a spirit of fellowship and unity. But, we, but in doing that, we have to make sure that our goal is to have the most competent people possible giving us the leadership we need and that our choices about those matters really are guided more by scripture and convictional choices than by our stereotypes and insecurities. Put these things into practice. I think they'll help you as you lead on.